Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. To get you the sports any way that he can. It's Mike Francisco. On this Wednesday evening, it's Mike Zahn, Francesa on the fan. Uh, as we get ready to usher in a new era in Giants football, I can see the here come the judge headlines now as the Giants tomorrow at 2 o'clock will introduce their new head coach. Now, they've done this a few too many times in recent years. Now, I know that the owners hope and pray that they don't have to do this again for a while because it has happened way too often. And when you're introducing head coaches, it means there's a reason for it. And the reason has been that they can't win any games, which is why they continue to have to go out and change head coaches. So now they go to New England, they turn to New England. And let's be honest, although it's hard to knock anything New England does, one thing they have not done is produce very successful Guys leaving the Belichick tree. They have not done well at all. Go back to uh, Charlie Weiss and Romeo. Take it from there. Mangini, who should have been a very successful head coach. And that That's the one that I really, really look and say it should not have worked out that way. If I go back to the years he was here, the fatal mistakes he made with the Jets, forget the one which I think he regrets the most, which was severing his ties with Belichick, because that has probably hurt him most around the league. But the way he handled things with the owner, which is why instead of being in good position, having two winning years and three years on the job, he was out of a job because his team went from 8-3 and three to 9-7, and seven, and the owner was fed up with him. So... It, he quickly jumps into a second job that had no chance for success. Instead of waiting and knowing that second one is so important. And that's one thing you have to learn. If you're a head coach and you fail the first time and you really believe you are a good head coach, take your time. That's the thing that Belichick did. Belichick failed in Cleveland because the circumstances did not allow him to be successful. Not that he wasn't good, but these circumstances did not allow him to be successful. But he waited. He went back. He got back into the Parcells family, went to New England for the year, wasn't even a coordinator that year when the Pats went to the Super Bowl. He was a guy who did a little bit of everything, did a lot with the defense, but Al Groh was the coordinator, was with the team, then came back to the Jets as the coordinator, so it was years before he stepped back out as a head coach. And yes, he struggled early when he went back to Foxborough, and we know the rest is history. But the point is, if you jump right back in and take the worst and ter- the first terrible offer that comes, if you fail in that second time, you're not getting a third shot. 
And I have no doubt in my mind that if somebody would turn around right now, and it's not going to happen, but if somebody would turn around and give Eric Mangini a, a, a chance to be the head coach of a team right now, he'd be ultra successful. I have no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Because he's learned what he needed to learn. He was very young in the beginning. And he did some things that young coaches do arrogantly. He made some mistakes And they weren't even football mistakes. They were non-football mistakes. But it cost him dealing, and it's cost him the career he should have had. So now Judge steps in for two guys who really weren't cut out to be head coaches, probably anywhere, but certainly here. The last two giant head coaches were woefully inadequate in a lot of different ways. Even though the first one had an 11-5 season, they still were inadequate. And Sherman's a nice guy. I know he left my program and everything else, and it is quite ironic that anyone who's ever left the Mike and the Mayor Show or my program, a coach who's not fulfilled his, his responsibilities as you know, part of the deal that he agrees to, every one of those guys has been fired or hasn't finished the season. Four for four. I said that as it happened, and it turned out to happen again. But it didn't happen because he quit as he hurt, turned. It happened because it was emblematic of everything that was wrong. And the losing continued. That's why he gets fired. We don't fire coaches. Nobody in the media fires coaches. Owners fire coaches for losing. But it can be a slippery slope when you're also fighting a battle in the media every day. Now, Mike McCarthy jumped in today with his uh, baby blues on, showed up in Dallas, sat between the Joneses all smiles as he became the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, moving into the monster franchise knowing that he is now in the middle he's the ringmaster of the biggest circus in all the sports let's hear what he had to say first of all thank you uh it is great to be here and um i'm having a moment here because i don't know where the hell to put my hands i never sat at a table for a press conference so (laughs) excuse me Uh, (laughs) um Second thing, I should have brought my type copy of notes like Jerry did. I got my little, I was trying to be slick and slip this in on you. But no, I just want to say uh, thank you uh, to so many different people. But I, I will start off with, you know, this past year has been a year of reflection. It, uh, my wife said I won't make it through ten words. I think I got to about six. But reflection of just what, what a blessed man I am. Great moments that I've been a part of. You know, I'm married to the love of my life. wife. My, my wife is the love of my life. You know, we have beautiful children. Come from a blessed family. You know, and professionally was able to lift the Lombardi Trophy. But I, I do need to tell a story about Saturday night when I was here on the interview. Um, and here I am sitting across the table. Stephen, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jr., you know, Will McClay, Todd Williams. And Jerry's telling a story about... Um, the purchase of the Dallas Cowboys. And, and at the end of the story, he leans over to me and he grabs him by the, by the forearm and reaches out to shake my hand. He says, and you need to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I jumped off and hogged him, but, uh, and, I'll, and I'll stop right there. We had a hell of a time. Just, uh, just that. Uh, but now that's, that's a moment. That's a moment and that's a story I'll be telling the rest of my life. So um, I, I can't just tell you how thrilled my family are, and I are here, or to, thrilled to be here. So, um, and I just I can't get over this place because uh, 
when I was given the directions and the itinerary of, of you know where everything was at, I just realized now where the Ford Center is because the star is so big. I mean, this is this is an unbelievable facility, but the reality of it is, you don't just see it; you feel it, and and that that's something that's that's real for everybody that has a chance to walk through these doors. Um, and I, I just want to tell you, you know, the importance and the understanding of how to protect and, and be the steward of this iconic franchise, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, this past year has been a gift. It's been a gift in a lot of ways. Um, it's been a gift for my family and I, Jessica, you know, our children. Uh, but it's been a gift with a purpose. And, and that purpose for me personally was to be a better husband, a better father, and, and fortunately had the time to, be a, to work on being a better coach. So I'm, I'm really thrilled uh, once again about this opportunity. And I, I just want to say, you know, my, my family is my team. And my team is, is, is excited uh, to be here and be part of the, of the Dallas Cowboys. Family and football. You know, I, it's great to see Smiling Randall over there. I, I, he still looks like he's 20, 20 years old when he arrived in Green Bay. But uh, family and football, as we've always talked about, was, was always the approach and, and always the focus. And you find out right away that everything in this organization starts and finishes with the Jones family. So a big thank you to Jerry and, and Stephen, Jerry Jr., the, the, the whole Jones family, uh, for once again for this, for this great opportunity. And lastly, um, I'm just going to say this, and, and to the fans, and you know, the commitment uh, will be unwavering, but... You know, I won my first Super Bowl here in North Texas at AT&T AT Stadium. And I just want to tell you, I am anxious and excited to get to work on winning the next Super Bowl for the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you. It's a thrill to be here. Uh, there's a very happy Mike McCarthy, uh, the new head coach, and I think a good fit for that team. He's a veteran head coach, knows his way around the league, knows his way around his staff. He doesn't have to grow into his job, and he's got a team that's ready to win now. So I think it is a good match because, you know, some young coaches, like the Giants, are going to deal with tomorrow. Those coaches have to put a staff together, and they have to get used to running a staff and get used to running a team and doing things for the first time as a head coach, and there is a a learning curve there. There's going to be for any head coach. Every head coach after his first year will change things. That's just the way it is. McCarthy doesn't have to do that. He's been a head coach for forever. He's won six division titles. He's won a Super Bowl. He also was in Green Bay. The only thing bigger than being in Green Bay, because the Packers are an iconic franchise, is to be in Dallas where the Cowboys are obviously an iconic franchise. And you can always hear when a guy goes in and takes over the Cowboys or takes over the Yankees or takes over the Celtics, or takes over the Montreal Canadiens, you can almost hear it in their voice when they do. Because, you know what? There's something extra. There's something special about those franchises. There's something iconic about those franchises. They matter. They ma- you know, it doesn't mean they're going to win more. It doesn't mean they have any advantages. What it means is that they just are these special franchises. It's just the way it is. 
and you can see how it impacts the guys who step in and take the job. And you can almost hear that in McCarthy's voice today. It is a little bigger. It is a little more imposing in Dallas. But then you look and see, and you realize that they haven't won in forever. Tomorrow is Joe Judge's day in New York. Obviously, uh, the 38-year-old will come in and be named the Giant head coach. Very big day for him. 38 years old, never a head coach on any level. Obviously, he's been around successful programs in Alabama and in New England. So it's not like he hasn't had experience. It's not like he hasn't been around plenty of winning and been around, obviously, good football minds and be around top players. That's obvious that all that's true. But now he has a couple of tough chores. One is, the toughest of all, is putting together a staff. That is the hardest thing to do now. As a matter of fact, I've had veteran head coaches tell me that one of the reasons they have stopped thinking about coming back is it is that much of a pain in the neck to put a staff together. Now, when you look at this, if they honestly allow him to pick his own staff, as I've heard they're going to, which I hope is the case. I don't know that it will be the case. Because you say that you aren't going to get involved, and you're going to let them. But remember, some of these guys come with higher price tags than other. I don't know how much the Giants are paying judges for the head coaching job, but you now have to slide assistance in in a league where there are assistants who get paid over a million dollars. Some teams don't want to pay their assistants a lot of money. Paying your assistants is a big part of it. I'll give you an example. If I were judge and I'll be interested to see how he plays this, I would have one young, dynamic. See, he's not, one thing I like is, I don't think he's going to be either the guy who's going to be the guy who spearheads the offense or the defense, which I like. I like the fact that he's not going to be tied in and just lasered into one side of the ball. That's something that, Despite his success, Rex Ryan never got away from on the defensive side. Rex Ryan, a lot of times, was more concerned that his defensive prowess stood out than he was about what his team did. Conversely, how many times do you see guys who get so hung up in their play calling and in the offense that they forget about clock management, game situations, special team decisions, who should be playing and who shouldn't, what's, what's happening with the coaches, what's happening with the players. So there is, if you have a guy who understands, now my job as head coach is I'm not just in charge of any one part of this. I'm in charge of all of it. And the guys who are good head coaches are in charge of all of it. They have input, input into every part of of the deal. Now you can be a McVeigh. Now McVeigh's moving away from Phillips in Los Angeles. For a couple of years he gave him the defense. And when you bring a guy in like that, you'll give him the defense, but that doesn't mean that you don't also have some say in what they're about. So let's say he wanted to bring in a very talented offensive play call, like North Turner as an example. First of all, he's going to be expensive. Secondly, he's got a way of doing things. See, you would have to already, if you were 
if you were the young coach, in my in my mind, you would have uh, already have to say, I like the way he calls a game. I like his philosophy, and that's what I want to do. I want to be simple. Like when Norv was in Dallas, they had basically about six plays. They ran everything off those plays. They won championships running that. They ran everything off the lead draw. They didn't have a lot of pass routes, but they were coldly and brilliantly efficient with Hall of Famers throughout the entire lineup. They had the right backs. They had the right offensive linemen. They had the accurate quarterback. They had the big receivers. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they did it. But what he would do is run it with power and then throw it with power, which means take shots down the field. I think the Giants are tailor-made to have that kind of team. I think they can have that team with Jones. Now, the game has become more nuanced than that. I understand that in the passing game. But you don't have to play that way. When you have a back like they have, and you have a quarterback who can get the ball down the field, as Daniel Jones has showed us that he can, they have, and a tight end who has, if he can stay healthy, great explosion. And they have one wide receiver who came into his own this year as a rookie and others who are highly capable. They're not bad in that area. I could see Turner fitting very well. Now, I don't know that there's a relationship there. I don't know if he has any interest. I don't know if the Giants want to pay him. I don't know anything about that. But to me, that would work. I think what Norv brings to an offense would be perfect for what their personnel says. I think it would be a, a superb fit. So I'll be very fascinated to see, and I'll learn a lot just by the staff he puts together in terms of how much experience is on the staff, how much he thinks he can trust the staff, how much new thinking he wants to bring to the staff. Because there's two things about the assistants. One, you can't coach the coaches. You have got to believe your coaches get what you want and can go out and instruct the players without you having to coach them. If you have to coach them, you're dead. Number two, you don't want coaches that are going to get you fired. You're a young coach. You don't want coaches who are going to be problems. You don't want coaches who are going to be subversive. You don't want coaches who aren't going to get the message. So the staff you put together is critical. And it's the first statement you really make as a young head coach. And the league's watching. Not only is ownership watching, the league's watching. And the league gonna, is going to understand a lot by where you go to get these guys. Are some of them coming from outside the league? Are a lot of them coming from guys you know well? Are they strangers? Are they, do they have resumes? So the staff they put together, which is a very hard part of doing this job now. Mike McCarthy admitted he spent the entire offseason, the entire year recruiting his staff. The entire year. Judge hasn't had that luxury. But if he's quick on his feet, since the minute he got the job, he's got a plan. As a matter of fact, when he was here, he probably should have 
been able to tell you I can put my hands on this guy, this guy, and this guy. Because that's one of the first questions you're going to ask as an owner. If you're not, you're not doing your job. Because it's one of the biggest parts. Not just because you're dealing with it from a management standpoint where you're worried about a budget. And bringing assistant coaches to New York is as difficult as bringing in between free agents to New York. Because what happens is their wives Google the good school systems. And then they find out that they can't afford the houses in any of the good school systems where all the schools districts are that are good, that are close to where they play and where their practice facility is. They can't live anywhere because they can't touch houses in any of them. Then they complain to their husbands, we can't live here. You have to pay more for assistance here. And I know free agents who have left for that reason. And I know assistants who haven't come here for that reason. So in this town, it's even more difficult. And I know guys who, when the Jets were at Hofstra, lived 80 miles away and drove it because their wives wanted their kids in certain school districts that they could afford, and they made their husbands drive 80 miles to work. So that stuff goes on. And a lot of times they'll be... Coach, I can't afford. I want to come for you and be part of your staff, but I can't afford to live there. So that becomes a big issue here, bigger here than in just about anywhere. I'm sure it's the same way in L.A. I'm sure it's the same way in San Francisco. But that is a big factor here with the Giants and the Jets with their assistant coaches. It happens all the time. I know I've been around it. I know it happens all the time. Because think about it. You Google the school districts that come up and then see what the houses cost in those neighborhoods. And then you see, wait a second, I can't afford that on assistance coach and, uh, salary. So that's where the salaries have to go up if you want to get your man. And that's why you don't want to be left with a terrible coaching staff. So that becomes, as you watch this tomorrow and you watch it unfold the first couple of days, see exactly if A, he mentions a lot about staff and B he lands the guys that he has targeted because doing it is not as easy as you think especially in our neck of the woods it is a big problem and it has cost both teams big free agents I know that for a fact that they left and said oh you know my wife went crazy over the real estate and this and that real estate's really expensive School districts are a big issue. And getting assistance, and you need them, is a big part of that. And that's just some of the headaches that a new coach uh, finds himself when he comes into this town. So you hear about the media, but you don't hear about little things like real estate prices and how much assistance make and school districts, but that's a big part of it, a very, very big part of it. And one a young coach knows all about and he'll have to deal with right away if he hasn't dealt with it in the last couple of days once he knew he was going to get the job. So we'll be watching to see tomorrow how all this unfolds and learn right away. We'll take a big step. We'll know where the Giants are, how much they believe in this coach in terms of giving him some latitude where he might have been given enough money. He might not have been given the crazy contract that Matt Rule got. You know he hasn't been. But 
Will the Giants put enough money on the table so that he can at least recruit the assistance he wants and afford them if they want to come here and deal with him? Because that can become a very, very tricky and expensive proposition for a head coach, especially a young head coach, especially a head coach who hasn't done this before. That's a part of the job you don't hear a lot about, but it is a big, big barrier to guys coming here. If, if their wives aren't happy, they're not happy. And sometimes they don't come for that reason. So that'll be a very big part of what happens in the days to come. So there's a lot of things that this young coach will have put right in front of him. Media will be one. The ones I just mentioned will be another. And how he handles them will be fun to watch. But tomorrow... It's about him. We'll talk more about it tomorrow night. Enjoy your evening, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.